Rorik Honda is entering a new month with the new norm. With uncertain times, Rorik wants you to be certain that buying the right vehicle is always safe and affordable. We make the process easy with our online capabilities. Constant sanitizing routine and ability to deliver to you. Happy shopping, and as always, visit Rorik.com for all of your vehicle needs. And now, the Yajaga podcast from my house. Again. According to the Oxford Dictionary, the word jagoff is defined as a noun, which means a stupid, irritating, or... Here's how Pittsburghers define a word jagoff. When someone cuts you off on a parkway. Jagoff! Or someone scares the out of you. Yeah, jagoff! Or it's a term of endearment. How you been, jagoff? This is Mark Madden. Hi, this is Larry Richard. This is Gamwell Bill. Hey, this is Kurt Angle. Hi, this is Rocky Blyer. Hey, it's Rick Sevak. Hi, this is Greg Brown. Hi, I'm Tyler Kennedy. This is Antonio Holmes. And this is the Jagoff Podcast. So this is the Jagoff Podcast, and as we say every week, because we want you to do these things, one, subscribe to the radio.com app for the podcast because you get it a day early. You're kind of like, you know, in the know. And then <laughs> we also, if you know if somebody should be on the podcast. Let us know. Yeah. R-A-C-H-A-E-L at yajagoff.com. And, you know, we say that, hey, we're doing it from my house again. But the cool part was, as we know, last week we did a, a hybrid version. Got out a little bit. Yeah. And we are going to be doing so moving ahead. So oh. we're pretty excited. We're going to be on site at a couple of places. So follow us and make sure you know where we're going to be. You remember when we did the Build Your Own podcast? Well, it's happening. In the meantime, we cannot wait today to talk to a couple of really cool Pittsburgh people. Katie Love, we've certainly had on the podcast. She's no stranger. But it's been two years because now she's a new mom. It's because we, we can't wait her, to catch up. We made her sick the last time she was. We on. really did. And then your perfect find was Sister City's Kathy. We cannot wait to talk to her. Yeah. So who knew about the whole Sister City thing, right? Yeah. I know what I think it's like. Yeah. Lots of questions to ask. Yeah. Me. And then of course it's really cool because um, it, I don't call it fanboy. It's just a proud guy. Yeah. Where a Pittsburgh kid who has gone on to become a broadcaster at the Wilkes-Barre Pen- Penguins. Yeah. And he's the uh, play-by-play announcer. And by the way, used to be my neighbor kid and we played hockey in his driveway. And music, of course, we're pretty excited because, you know, we carried over from last week's podcast and we are featuring Stephen Brawl. We get to hear some great jams from him. Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for. Been searching in the dark, your sweat soaking through the floor. So, John, we've looked for any excuse because we have not had the one and only Katie Love on for two years. And if you remember, when we had her on, she was on the Tiki boat with me. And that was our first encounter. Okay, so I'll literally tell you that I was about to vomit. I loved the Tiki boat, but we were spinning in circles with Rick Seaback, and I didn't know how I was going to even interview her. But the good news is she liked me enough for being raw about how I thought I was going to puke. And (laughs) we've been friends ever since. So we get to have her on two years later with big news that she's now a new mom and we get to chat with her about what her business is like and what it's like having a baby welcome katie hi guys i'm so flattered you would even want me back for a second time (laughs) you're so cute we had to at least make up for the fact that both of you were insanely sick on it because we'll explain it we were on the tiki boat yeah do you remember that seaback was making drinks yes and people (laughs) on point state park realized rick seaback was was on on the boat right so the the captain of the boat kept spinning the boat around Mm -hmm. so that people could get pictures of rick seaback in the meantime you guys are turning completely green (laughs) 
No, you were a trooper, Katie. I was certainly not. <laughs> so, Katie. It was fun. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of troopers, so as Rachel said, you now are a mom. How is that going? Is it, you know, most people Amazing, call right? it a blaze, blessing, but there is, the, you know, there's this downside of no sleep and the tension of having, there's no manual for a baby, right? So how's, how's life? So life is great. I love being a mom. It's, it's incredible. But I think having a baby during a pandemic is like a whole different. <laughs> it really is. And Katie, if you don't mind being slightly personal, I have to tell you this. So we were blessed enough to be, um, to have been invited to what would have been your co-ed shower. And we were so excited to come. And I was thinking of you the Saturday that came and went in April when we couldn't, you know, shower you with excitement and presence. And I have to say kudos to WPXI for what they did. I saw on uh, social media that they put like all these gifts and balloons and stuff inside Aaron's van. And he was pleasantly surprised when he opened it. I, I just thought that was so heartwarming because you guys really had a crappy time. You know, it was so sweet. Yeah, I so, loved it. so sweet. Yeah, so they surprised him and filled a news van with diapers. So we have diapers for years. <laughs> for years. Oh, uh, so nice. So, Katie, before we get too long into the interview, we should, you know, for those who don't know, you are a mom, and which is a great job, but you also are a female, a very successful female entrepreneur in yep. the social media realm. Tell everybody who might not know who you are about Katie Love Social. Thank you. That is so sweet. Yeah. So not only am I a mom, but I run a business, Love Social Media, and we help all different kinds of businesses take their social media to the next level. We write content, create content, make sure people are staying on top of their social media game. We have a lot of cool uh, local clients here in Pittsburgh, but we also have clients from around the world and even um you know, we've, we have one client in Malaysia, which is so cool. What? Somehow, yeah, somehow love social media and Katie love social has reached Malaysia, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yes, you know, it's, it's something I have been thinking a lot about as I've started to go back to work and almost you have this sort of mom guilt, which is, how do I leave my baby? I'm a bad mom, but also I want her to know that I've worked my butt off to build this business yeah. and that I'm not going to just drop it. And, you know, she's a part of my life, but also continuing to grow this business is really important. And I want her to be able to see that. So that's kind of how I framed it in my mind. And I love that. And I think that's what I really wanted to, to hone in on because you and I have had this conversation. You know, I think our friendship has grown based on, you know, similar thoughts and similar work ethic. But, you know, we're decades apart. And I had my kids, you know, years ago. I, I love the fact of how this new world, especially the digital and social media world, allows something like this to happen. Talk a little bit about what that balance is like, because I think a lot more women in particular are facing that today on, on wanting to have a family. But like you said, you cannot take away the fact that you have really busted butt to, to get to where you are now and still going. So what does that balance look like so far as you're embarking? Yeah. So I, like my husband, Aaron was a reporter for years and realized that that work-life balance was really tough. The hours were tough. And I wanted to create a life for myself that 
allowed me to have the possibility of starting a family, but also making money. And in the era of COVID, it's actually really been helpful because I've created my business from my home. And, you know, if I'm writing an email, taking a phone call and my baby's crying, I can just reach over and get her, but still be making money. It's, um, it's something that I think a lot of uh, moms or even parents in general sure. are looking to f- figure out how to achieve, how can I be present in my kid's life, but also be successful. And that's something, obviously I, I'm not perfect at it, but I'm, I'm working to make sure there's a balance there. Well, in, and, I mean, I think you're right. It is the perfect time. Not that people look down their nose at people who worked at home and took care of their kids, but it's just the fact that like people are so accepting that a dog or a kid are going <laughs> to jump in on a Zoom meeting, right? You know, because that's because COVID has created that. It's, and now people are far more accepting that, wow, this is a fantastic thing that you're doing. You're working from home. And I can't, I'm sure that your clients appreciate that. Yes, and I have to tell you something that happened to me. <laughs> Don't judge me. Don't okay. judge. I but it. I was, I was on a Zoom call, <laughs> and my baby, love her to death, was screaming her face off right in the background, and I was, I just looked at the woman. You know, it was like a professional. I was like. I need to whip out my boob right now and feed my child. I knew knew you were going to say it. (laughs) She was like, go, girl, go. I was like, all right, I am breastfeeding on Zoom. Here we go. Oh, my Katie. Once you're a mom, it's like, you know what? I just don't care. It is what it is. You just got to get through. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I mean, she was quiet the rest of the 30 minutes. (laughs) That's it. That's all it took. Oh, my gosh, Katie. I love it. Um, You have talked to us in the past. You know, and, and so that people understand, obviously, you, you, like you said, you emphasize your business within content management, um, and, and social media and really aligning brand awareness, which I think, obviously, I think you do an amazing job with. But what has it been like? Literally, we haven't talked to you in two years about that. And you've obviously worked with us as well. But how has it even changed in the last two years from a mother's perspective? And as you know, you know, doubly that John and I work in marketing and, social media as well. You know, we, we know the importance of picking the right platform, but from a mom's perspective, I'm seeing these other things like TikTok or Snapchat, or how is it that, that that has come to be such a resource and how do you choose what is best for your audience? Yeah, that's such a good question. So we really have to get into the insight of, and the mind of the client, the business who's, who, what do they wake up and they pick up their phone and they look at? Is that Instagram, Facebook, the emergence of TikTok is huge. It is so huge. And I'll tell you, I was like, there's no way I'll never get on board. Uh, Flash forward. (laughs) I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. But Katie, stop there. Why are you obsessed? Because you're, you're a good demo for me to understand why you're obsessed. Go ahead. Okay, great. Let's talk about this because Aaron thinks I'm insane for loving TikTok. Okay, so we know that people were getting fatigued from Facebook because there were so many uh, aunts and relatives posting long political rants and, you know, things getting heated. And so they moved over to Instagram. That's more into photos and pretty things. And then there's this emergent of 
emergence of TikTok, which is a 15-second video, usually of people dancing, making cool edits, transitioning from, you know, one place to another. Like, the creativity is insane. It is so, so fun. And one of my videos, which has been really fun, I took a video of me dancing nine months pregnant and um, on TikTok did a splice to me dancing with Adley, same spot, same outfit, and it has over 800,000 views. Jeez. Oh, my yes, Almost a million views. A million views. It's, it's just this new platform that if you jump on early, I think that you can really gain ground quickly. And I've had a lot of my businesses asking me, how do we capitalize on TikTok? How do we grab that audience's attention? Because it's not as easy. Mm-hmm. as it used to be. Right. You've got to step up your game, think outside the box. Uh, so it's it's just been interesting. Have either of you been on TikTok? We yet? haven't. No. It seems to me that TikTok is sort of like a hyped up vine coming back, right? No? Yes, it is. And I think with so many people at home and wanting to show off their creativity, <laughs> try something new, it's really exploded. I mean, you can see grandmas getting on there and doing the TikTok dances and it's just fun when we can't be around a bunch of people to see people in their own space, just having fun and still living life, even with so many changes around us. Yeah. It's funny because we have talked about, you know, out of this craziness and so much negativity, things will flourish and that's TikTok is certainly one of the people were so bored that they found themselves on social media so creatively making videos and TikTok certainly benefited from the pandemic I'd have to think. A lot of people have asked how my business has been since the pandemic and I'm almost shy to say that almost nothing has changed if anything I've had more business only because I want to be sensitive to the businesses around me that have struggled so much but I think that I had clients and um, other people come to me and realize the importance of brand awareness, like you said, Rachel, and still keeping their business on top of people's minds, even when they're not walking through the door, Mm -hmm. but still seeing them on social. And it's just, it's something that you can't put behind. People are on their phones more and more and your business needs to to be there. Are you noticing that specifically since we're talking pandemic that people have loosened up or not been so rigid on what they want their brand to be because it's like, Oh my gosh, I have now lived through a pandemic and I get that life is not what I thought it was. And so maybe they're no, they're more apt to use something like a TikTok in not a, a typical standard setting that they would have before. Does that make sense? Like a business that was sort of like stern that you wouldn't expect to like, Hey, what do you think about TikTok? Have you noticed that that's now, um, an avenue or a platform that you've offered as your, as, as your business resource? Definitely. I think okay. the businesses that have pivoted like that and embraced this, uh, new platform, new way of consuming media have really flourished. Okay. And yes, I think it's important. So for instance, I have a client that has several dance fitness studios and 
no one's walking through the door, obviously. It's it's based in New York, and they pivoted to making all of their workout videos on YouTube Mm -hmm. and doing 15 to 20-second teasers on TikTok. Wow. Yes, so they'll do 15 15 to 20 seconds previewing the dance workout of the day and then say head over to our YouTube channel where the full workout will happen. And it's genius. I think you guys would be hilarious on TikTok. <laughs> you need to try it. You need to do find a dance. I'm sure. Does your daughter do it? She does. You know, she does. Oh. I'll show you. But she's on like that private mode. So like she sends me her dances. She just did something on Sophia the first. I'll have to send it to you. It's adorable. Yes. So the 13 to 14 demographic even the little preteens are loving it, but I'm, I'm this 30 year old mama loves it too. So I don't know. Uh, He's sitting uh, here looking uh, at me like, oh, I don't know. I just, I just turned in my resignation. Katie. <laughs> I just, re- I gave my four week notice. Oh God, that's <laughs> too funny. So Katie, I, we had Jason Falls, which is another, he's another, I'm a fanboy of his social media, uh, edicts. And, you know, we talked about how difficult it is and kind of want to ask you the same question. You know, not only did businesses who are your clients, you're helping them figure out how to put themselves on social media. Then a pandemic hits. So you have to figure out, wow, how are we pivoting your word? You know, how are we pivoting into the pandemic? Then this human rights issue comes through. Have you literally been on the phone with your clients, you know, day in and day out at this point, sort of just figuring out where is our sweet spot so that we don't look, we still have to promote but we can't really look like we're promoting. We just sort of have to ride this wave. How's that going? It is such a delicate balance. I'll tell you, you know, three weeks after having baby, I was on the phone just given I could not not be present during everything that's happening in the world and how our businesses were going to communicate either their feelings, whether they were going to post about how they felt about Black Lives Matter, whether they were going to stay silent, what that meant for their customers, what that meant for their business. It is not easy. You, you have, it's such a delicate situation and you have to be sensitive. You can't, during Blackout Tuesday on Instagram, when everyone's profiles were black, we really encouraged our clients to, you know, whether they agreed with the movement or not, to just be sensitive to what was happening and that so many people felt so passionate that they were going to be posting a black square on their Instagram, that it would almost be insensitive to be posting about food or events or things happening. Um, But we would never make our client take a stand on anything. If it, if it wasn't something they felt passionate about, it's, it's tough. It's really, really tough. That's a great point. Katie, you sound like you're doing so well. I feel like we need to have you on like more regularly. When John puts his resignation in me and you will do a TikTok in four weeks. I put my four weeks in. In four weeks, we're doing a TikTok. <laughs> I'm down. I'm down. I knew you, you would do you jag off previews <laughs> on TikTok. Oh, we uh, should do that. We're going to do it just uh, because you said so. And we're going to tag you. I'm and rescind- John's going to wear pink. I'm rescinding my resignation. For <laughs> Thank you. Come on, John. <laughs> I'm in, dude. He'll do it. He'll I'm do in. It. So. All right. All right. We have a question of the day. First of all, tell everybody, where do they find you on social media? It's pretty easy at this point. 
Yes, it's at Katie Love Social. I love it. And we certainly follow you and we love seeing all the amazing things that you're doing and we couldn't be bigger cheerleaders. So question. Our best to Aaron for God's sake. There's a guy involved here. I know. I know. Well, Katie, you know, I have to share this with you. Wait, can I tell you a hilarious story about Aaron? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So picture this. We are running on zero sleep. Baby is crying at 3 a.m. I'm like, yeah, it's your turn. And he's like, okay, okay. He's, He's so sweet. So he thinks I'm asleep, but I can hear the baby monitor where he is whispering to our child, asking our child, Please stop being a shitty baby. Please stop being a shitty baby. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We might have to text them later. Yeah. Just saying. We're just going to text them that message right there. Please stop being a baby. Yeah, oh, Katie, that's oh hysterical. Oh, Listen, that's it happens, right? You're going to have so many more stories like that to tell. You're going to end up writing a book. I'll tell you, if my second one would have come first, we would not have had a first. <laughs> we would not have had a first. Yeah, for sure. Oh, All right. I love it. All right. So listen. Um, we're, we're, we're talking serious subjects, but then when we come to the question of the day, simple and easy, it is summertime and knowing you, you're super classy and I love your elegance, but are you going old school freeze pop where you just cut the plastic off and push that popsicle up or are you fancy schmancy and you have to have a particular popsicle or icy? Ooh, I gotta say I'm probably fancy. I thought I so. Just... <laughs> I knew it. I'm particular. I'm I particular. Yeah. I am who I am. Right. Now is it pink though? Mm, I usually like to stay in the pink and red shade. Yeah. Okay. Like since I was a kid, I don't even know why. <laughs> well, because it's what you wear and if I you drip it, it'll blend right in. Oh, that's there what, you go. That's the way a guy thinks, you know? Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> That was such a good answer. And I could, I seriously, you and I could be on a game show because I could have answered that 100%. (laughs) You're the best, Katie. Thank you so much. Again, our best to Aaron and your daughter. And let us know when the daughter is ready to start doing TikToks because we want to. We'll be there. Yeah. Oh, you know I'm going to be a TikTok mom. (laughs) Can't wait. I'll be like, what brands want to sponsor my child on TikTok or Instagram? All the cool things going on in Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh's sister cities. Yes, I know. Listen, when you brought this up at first, I felt like I was like completely behind the times. I wasn't aware, but I love the fact that we get to kind of hear firsthand from the first executive director how this is going to work and how it helps Pittsburgh look even cooler. So we get to welcome Kathy to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. And you are a native Pittsburgher, correct? I. I am indeed. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So give us a little snippet. I mean, we usually aren't this broad, but literally with something like this being new, we want to know, like, how does how does this concept even start and how does Pittsburgh get a hold of how to make it work? Um, well, so again, thank you for having me. Sure. Uh, the Sister Cities concept is not a new concept. It right. actually was implemented by the Eisenhower administration in 1956. So this is something that's been happening in the United States for a long time. Um, Pittsburgh has actually had sister cities for many, many years. And technically, we have 20 uh, sister cities in 18 different countries. 
However, at this time, those all of those cities are not activated. Right. Uh, historically, the sister cities program has been housed um, in city government, um, often in the mayor's office. But at one point in time, it was also housed in the URA. And um, and this is one of the this is the first time that it is its own independent 501c3 nonprofit organization. And uh, yeah, the board of directors tapped me to be the first executive director as of May 1st, 2020. So I've been on the job for all of uh, almost two months. <laughs> so, a little bit of a pandemic mm-hmm. and beyond. <laughs> yeah. Yes, so. yes. It, it's been very interesting starting a brand new job with this global uh, focus. Right. A global pandemic. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure. So, Kathy, we get it. Like, I've been to Kansas City. It's a lot like Pittsburgh. And um, I've been to Cincinnati, and it seems a lot like Pittsburgh. But that's not really what you're talking about as far as a, it's a business type thing. It's a business arrangement. Is that right? It's a bit, so there's an economic piece to it, but there's also a cultural and an educational piece to it. So if you were to imagine a three, um, a, a, a three pronged stool, um, that's, that's what creates the sister city relationship between a, a, a city in the city in Pittsburgh, you know, in the United States or a city across the world. So we look for opportunities for exchanges around those three, those three metrics. And it doesn't mean that every relationship has to have all three of those very strongly. It could be that there's a really good cultural exchange between two cities that we can then build on to have an educational exchange or to have an economic exchange. The economic exchange obviously is one of the thing, one of the metrics that we can measure how important this relationship is and why sister cities relationships are important. But it's not the most, it's, it's not it's not the most important. It's just one of equal of cultural, educational, and, and, and economic. What has that first month looked like as far as building the relationships? Um, most jobs, easy, right? Coming in, you just kind of feel it out, but you're sort of molding it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm very, very lucky and honored to have had a, um, a board of directors that was formed prior to, they, they're the ones who hired me. And that um, my board chair, Jim Wolf, um, and his colleagues were doing a lot of work behind the scenes. So Mayor Peduto asked um, Jim Wolf, my board chair, uh, about two and a half years ago to revitalize the Sister Cities program for our region. And so Jim and his colleagues, he, Jim helped f- to form a board. Um, and then they went and they visited some of the Pittsburgh Sister Cities where relationships were stronger. And those cities um, are, uh, in, well, before I go to say what has happened in those cities in that period of time, um, they they either hosted delegations here in Pittsburgh or they went to those cities. And um, Mayor Peduto was part of at least one of those trips when they went to Da Nang, Vietnam. Um, and then they've also been to Bilbao, Spain. They've been to Wuhan, China. Um, and they've also gone to um, Satsuma City, Japan. So those are the four cities that we have strongest, strong relationships, um, sister city relationships with right now. And, um, and so a variety of activities have happened. So exactly. So for example, in South Satsuma City, Japan, which is basically next to Tokyo. Um, We had a business delegation come here last year from Satsuma, and they visited a number of local uh, Pittsburgh businesses that do international business um, to see if there was opportunities for some sort of exchange between those businesses. But at the same time, they also met with Superintendent Hamlet from the Pittsburgh Public Schools to talk about how could we do an educational exchange with Pittsburgh Public School students and in students at a school in Satsuma City. 
That is ongoing. And in fact, one of the, the saddest things about about coronavirus and, and what has happened to our world in the past couple of months is that there were a lot of activities that were planned for 2020 with me on boarding as ED. And then there were all these activities that the board had set up, uh, one of them being that there was supposed to be a group of students from Japan coming here. They would be here right now, actually. Um, and they were going to be going to the governor's school. And then they were going to also do some STEAM and STEM programming at CMU and Pitt and Carlo and Chatham and Duquesne. <clears throat> and the, the whole idea of this was we were giving these, these high school age students the opportunity to come to Pittsburgh to, um, to get a feel for what it would be like to go to university here with the hopes that maybe they would consider one of our universities for their university education. So, of course, it, it didn't happen, um, but we, we put off plans for a year and um, students will be coming next summer. And I also want to make sure that I'm clear about, you know, while the conversation happened with Pittsburgh Public Schools, other conversations have been happening with other school districts because this okay. is not just an effort for the city. It's okay. an effort for the region. Gotcha. So. And so, you know, asking what my kind of first month has looked like or my first two months have looked like, it's been a lot of looking at plans that were put in place. How do we, you know, have, you know, how do we continue to make, to build the momentum so we, we continue the relationship? And, um, and how do we make sure that this happens, you know, next year, this time, if, if, you know, hopefully COVID will allow, <laughs> you know, there'll be a vaccine sure, for it and, sure. and, and we'll be able to move forward. So it's also been fun. I mean, I have a, I have a phone call, a Zoom call with the ambassador to, so, uh, to Bulgaria, um, in next week to talk about our relationship with Sofia Bulgaria, which has been long dormant. I, I'm on, I'm going to be on a phone call, uh, next Monday night at 9.30 at night to talk to somebody in Da Nang, Vietnam, which is 8.30 their time. So it's a, it's, you know, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I, I walked into this job going, I cannot wait for all the travel. I, I've traveled extensively internationally since I was a young, young kid. My father traveled, um, a lot internationally as I was a kid. So I had that opportunity. So I really value that. And, um, I was really excited about the, that being one big part of this job. Um, but obviously, you know, we, we have to pivot and we have to retool and we have to think about what's the future. And, you know, right now, maintaining those relationships means Zoom calls. And it, it seems to be working very, very well. I mean, you name dropped a little bit there, Kathy. I mean, I'm talking to people in this country and this country and we're just sitting in my house in Ross Township. Well, the cool part is, is you missed what you, when she said you, you took your headphones off when she said, and I'm going to tell the people in Bulgaria that I was on the Ejagoff podcast. <laughs> I I thought I heard that. I thought it so. It was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the, the sister cities relationship for, for the city of Pittsburgh and for our region is really interesting. You know, historically, um, first off, we don't have a whole lot of historic documents. But it's interesting since I, I we sent out the press release and, you know, I, I mentioned on LinkedIn that I'm in this position. I've had so many people reach out to me to say, oh, I was part of the conversation when Scope Macedonia became a sister city. So if you want me to, you know, if you want to talk, I can tell you all about it, which is so helpful. So if there's anyone listening to your podcast who knows anything about any of the relationships that we have with with sister cities, I welcome you to contact me um, and and tell me what you know, because it's very helpful to kind of look back and see where it is. And like I said, historically, some of these relationships were about things like 
Um, you know, how similar are they to Pittsburgh? And, you know, our economy has changed dramatically. And so what that looked like then is not necessarily what that looks like now, but that doesn't mean we still can't have a relationship. So when we look at metrics to think about new sister cities, because, of course, we will want to eventually look at, at, at adding more, we want to look at, um, you know, a commitment to sustainability that our region has, to the UNSDG goals, to 100 resilient cities, to eco-districts, to all these different these different sustainability metrics. We want to know if they're a smart city or if they're going to become a smart city, because that's something that's a value that, that our region has. Do they have a growing and expanding economy? Do they have a strong university and ed- education sector? Do they have a vibrant technology sector? When you think about what makes our region run, we want to make sure that we're, we're partnering with, with other cities that, that look like us so that we have those synergies to be able to partner. Um, you know, and, and also we want to make sure that these are reciprocal relationships. This isn't one sided. It isn't, it isn't what Pittsburgh can gain from these cities in, in these regions. It's what can, what can, what can also Pittsburgh lend to them. Sure. So there's lots of different ways that you can, you can make these relationships work. Um, you know, the, the symphony is, is one of the, the interesting cultural institutions that we have that I keep hearing from people that when, when companies, you know, foreign companies look to maybe come to a city in the United States and, and start a new office, they want to make sure that there's a world-class city or a world-class um, symphony in that city. And right. so that's a metric that matters to that demographic, right? So, um, and, you know, our symphony goes, um, does international tours and, and you know, so do, you know, many, many other entities in our cultural districts. So there's opportunities for those as well. Kathy, here I was just thinking like, hey, other cities want to put fries on their salads. Yeah, yeah which we know is not the case in most, in most households, is, right? This is so amazing. And here you are leading the charts. That's totally awesome. Yeah. Well, and I think it's amazing for us because, you know, Kathy, I was going to say earlier on when you started talking about Pittsburgh and saying it was during the Eisenhower days. And it's not like I'm, I'm making fun. I'm a lifelong Pittsburgher as well. But for a, a lot of different topics, we were always a little bit behind. And I feel like because of positions and people like you, we're starting to become those forefronters and yeah i mean it's the goal is really to have pittsburgh to become a global city and to be a global city we need to have global relationships and i think that there's a lot that mayor peduto has done to help um, move that forward my my good friend grant Irvin, who is the chief sustainability officer for the city um, Grant has spent a lot of time forging international relationships around sustainability issues. And that's, that's fabulous. Like I can, you know, I can call up Grant and jump into those relationships and say, what makes sense? Maybe we should be sister cities with, you know, Malamo, Sweden, you know, that's doing all of these amazing things in, around sustainability. You know, what are the opportunities? And I think that this is something that resonates with, you know, uh, the, the, the business community, the nonprofit community, the foundation community. I mean, you can, you know, the educational community, um, the cultural community, you name it, because you can see opportunities for us to exchange what we know and what we do well with other people and also learn from other people. And if that means French fries on salads, all the better for us. <laughs> I mean, if it means, if it means people are, are flying terrible towels, that's awesome. I, I mean, I don't it. know if any of you have been to the, to the Steeler Bar in Italy in Rome. No, but my husband and I, Oh, my God. My husband and I went there a couple of years ago. And, you know, I mean, there's a picture of city council on the wall. And I'm like, oh, there's there's Bill. There's, you know, there's all the people that I know. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I and so it. that idea of the, the Pittsburgh diaspora that, you know, left in the 70s when I was a very, very young child. Um, you know, we already have some of those really strong relationships. The so sister cities just gives us the opportunity to kind of 
you know, just further that relationship. So, um, and we're having great conversations with cities that might become sister cities. So we've been spending a lot of time talking to people in Doha, Qatar, and we're hopefully going to be able to have a, um, a, a delegation come from the embassy in DC, which hopefully knock on wood would include the ambassador to come to Pittsburgh, um, in, in later this year, if people are allowed to travel. And likewise, we're, we're, investigating a, a relationship with Glasgow, Scotland, and Bucaramanga, Colombia. So, I mean, there's there's all these other, you know, places that that, that have an interest in, in, in having a relationship with Pittsburgh. And some of those come from universities, some of those come from businesses, some of them come from cultural, some of them come from inquiries from, you know, government to government. Um, but they're, you know, it's, it's my job to kind of pull all of those together and then figure out what makes sense and work with my board to do that and then present it to, you know, our region and say, this is, you know, this is another way for Pittsburgh to become a global city. Well, I love it. And not one of those cities has a Jagoff podcast. So we will get to that. <laughs> there you go. Listen, we have to, we have a question of the day every week here. And now is the time where you're sort of put on the spot to do that. But sure. before you do that, because listen, you just told us some really fancy schmancy business and we're about to ask you a really silly question. So, <laughs> um, okay. before we ask you the question of the day that it, that is just kind of fun for summer, tell everyone where they can find you, your initiative, sister cities. Where can they find out more about you and this? So um, right now, so it's funny you ask. So this is truly a nonprofit startup at this point in sure. time. I had an RFP out last week, due Friday, for a website. We don't even have a website right now. So um, come later this summer, you will be able to go to um, www.sistercitiespgh.org, and that will be our website. In the meantime, you can reach me at Kathy with a K, K-A-T-H-Y, at at sistercitiespgh.org. Uh, so right now it's not really easy to get a, a hold of us, but I promise um, it, once our, our website is live, I'll reach back out to you. That awesome. You can send it out to your to your listeners, and um, and maybe some people can get in touch with me that way. I mean, I I I'm also an adjunct professor at the Graduate School of Public International Affairs at Pitt, and you know I one of the that. things I'm I'm employee one and employee only, <laughs> and uh, I've already had a graduate student reach out to me to say, can I get an internship? And I was like, yes, capacity building is wonderful you know <laughs> there so, you go um, so yeah so so we're, we're trying to kind of build what we're doing um you know slowly and very thoughtfully but at the same time you know um you know i can see this organization a year from now two years from now having you know a couple of program managers that are going to help manage those relationships in multiple sister cities so this is a you know we're a we're a budding interesting organization so if there are young people who are graduating or recently graduating who are listening to this and who are interested in in getting into you know international and global issues but also really really love pittsburgh and want to promote pittsburgh and advocate for pittsburgh i you know sister cities association of pittsburgh is an organization to watch that's a great point. And definitely let us know. Reach back out whenever everything's settled. All right. Now, the coveted question of the day. I really hope you can handle this one. So we're finally in the dog days of summer. Old school freeze pops, you know, where you cut the plastic off. That's what we're handing out to our kids. Are you a freeze pop kind of chick or are you a fancy schmancy popsicle or icy gal for the summer, Kathy? Inquiring minds oh. want to know. 
this is a horrible question for me because I don't like sweets. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's crazy. I am like a neither. Like if I were anything, yeah. I would be a snow cone with just barely brush the flavor over and probably be lime or lemon. Oh, like, I like bitter, not sweet. <laughs> that's a good answer. Though. At least you thought about it, Kathy. Some people just say, well, I wouldn't do it. So the at least news. you had no, the no. The good news no, is no, Kathy, no. Kathy knew your reporter skills and she knew you would not let her off the hook until she had, <laughs> she had an answer. So that's awesome. If you give me an Italian ice that has those little bits of lemon in it, oh, yeah. now that I'll eat. But there you go. Lot. There you go. I love it. That's the perfect answer. So again, our song is And who knew? Who knew? I Like I said to you, he gets the best of both worlds. You know, the whole, what do you want to be when you grow up and you pick this, who wants to be an athlete, which is typically like, yeah, right, good luck. And he gets to be an athlete and a performer and a good one at, right. to boot. And the who knew thing, so here's my weird There thing, you go. You, that, okay. You're such a theme. The who knew thing is my neighbor kid, you know, we all played hockey in their driveway right. when my son and, and Nicholas were growing up. And now who knew? Nicholas is now the play-by-play announcer for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. And uh, who knew? So who welcome, knew? welcome to the podcast, Nicholas Hart. John, Rachel, <laughs> it is a tremendous honor <laughs> and exciting opportunity to be on the podcast with you. John, you and I have been trying to, to coordinate something for who knows how long now, and we were finally able to pull it off. This is a big moment for me. Big yeah. moment. Yeah. Nicholas, are you bored? Is that what's happening right now? Like you, you don't have much going on. <laughs> hey, we're, we're all battling through the the age of COVID nineteen differently. That's so, it. so a nice little conversation like this, uh, sign me up for it eight days a week. Well, Ooh. we love it because honestly, I have to say, and and John will certainly continue the uh, the fanboying, but he has brought you up multiple times. Obviously, our mutual love for hockey, and obviously his admiration for you and and where you are now. So listening to your voice, I can certainly understand why you are in the position you're in. But give us a little like, this is how I got here kind of spiel. How do how do the listeners know? How do you go from being a kid who loves hockey to this guy with a golden voice in Wilkes-Barre? Maybe a gilded voice. I wouldn't go golden too far (laughs) yet. I mean, uh, I, I am in the American Hockey League, which is, I mean, you Pittsburgh Penguins fans know is great for developing talent for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but it's a developmental league for, for broadcasters and things like that, too. So hopefully I can develop into a golden voice with an NHL team someday. But uh, I guess it's a long story, but I'll try and abbreviate it as much as possible. Like John said before, when I was a, a little kid, I can't remember a time when I wasn't obsessed with hockey growing <laughs> up. It was always the number one sport, the most important thing I was thinking about um, probably from age, I don't know, I'm just arbitrarily going to throw it, age five to, to ten, the most important things in my life were hockey and Pokemon, and then I eventually grew out of Pokemon, <laughs> and then it was only hockey. Um, I love but, it. You know, p- playing on the driveway, going out and skating. The uh, sports complex down on Neville Island wasn't built yet when I was growing up, um, so I went all the way out to the South Point Isoplex, I'm in Washington, PA, ah, to skate yes. and play hockey, and then eventually the the Neville Island Sports Complex was built and did a bunch of tournaments there, skating there. It was rarely a time when I wasn't on the ice and my parents weren't driving me from one practice to another, one game to another, and trying to you know juggle my sister's soccer games in there too. You know, it was hectic and wild. Um, 
My dad uh, worked for the Pittsburgh Penguins, so I got to go to a ton of games growing up. So seriously, I basically grew up at the rink. Uh, it was a second home to me my whole life. I wanted nothing more than to be a professional hockey player. But eventually, a lack of talent and athleticism prevented me from achieving that goal. So, you know, the next best thing, though, was for me was just, you know, finding a way to work within the game one way or another. And I went to Ohio University to study journalism. Um, I was really honed in on the, the sports side of journalism. Uh, I found out during my four years at college, a lot of uh, other people in the journalism school, they were trying to figure out, okay, do I want to go th- uh, do the print journalism or broadcast journalism? They would use their four-year journey at school to try and figure that out. I learned very quickly, hey, I don't care if I'm doing print. I don't care if I'm doing uh, broadcast journalism, but I know I have to be in sports. I can't be the guy on the local city council beat talking about zoning issues or mm-hmm. things like that. That's just mm-hmm. not me. Mm-hmm. So right. I, can, I couldn't go through those growing pains. I had to be in sports. So I got as much experience as I could in college writing for uh, student publications, writing for online websites, and then ultimately my senior year calling games for the club hockey team uh, for Ohio University. And I fell in love with it pretty quickly, and it just, uh, I guess, became uh, my path. That's the abbreviated version of, I guess, uh, the origin story. If you I love it. Well, you know, we just had Bob Pompiani, you know, Pittsburgh Institution guy. We just had him on, and he had a similar story. Well, he had a story where he wanted to be a pro golfer, but mm-hmm. he ended up with a heart problem mm-hmm. and ended up, he said, this is the next best thing, talking about golf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's awesome. But I love the fact, so John will certainly geek out on the fact that, you know, you're an announcer for hockey, but I geek out because I have this weird obsession for for people like me who are journalism people because we're a dying breed and I also went to school for journalism and I find it so interesting that you say that because when I talk to the people who have you know a couple decades in and like you said choosing either broadcast or print you know you are so right it wears on them when you have to be that hardcore news person and I think Mm -hmm. it's pretty interesting that you knew as young as you are that that's not something that you wanted to go into because sometimes you know let's face it when you're hungry you take what you can get so it's kind of cool that you knew you your niche path yeah i mean maybe it's cool maybe it's also naive that i thought i could just do whatever i wanted and it ended up uh playing out in my favor but yeah like i i figured out pretty quickly especially watching you know some of my friends and the people that i met in college that you know they wanted to tell stories write stories and they were willing to cover any event to get that kind of experience and i knew i'm going to zone out and get disinterested in this so quickly and when i say sports i don't mean just hockey even though that's always been my number one and my passion since before I can remember, you know, I was, when I was at school, I was covering softball, women's golf, uh, volleyball, men's golf. Like there were other sports that I was doing in there too, in addition to covering the hockey team and then eventually calling the games for a student broadcast network there on campus. And Nicholas, they, you know, they, so your dad and I have talked, of course, you know, and uh, we sit there and we think like both of our sons, very smart, very talented, could do a million things, but both took the path of most resistance to, yes. to their dreams, yep. right? Because we sit there and say, well, our sons could be making this amount of money doing this, but they decided to be broke for quite a while and do, 
do their absolute passion. And I love that, quite frankly. But that's what you need to do instead of being in your 40s and 50s and saying, I wish I would have. Yeah, exactly. You know? Agreed. And so life is, what's life like in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton at this point? You Again, you were the color analyst for a while. Now you're the play-by-play. As we said before we started recording, you kind of went viral with Tristan Jari uh, doing the play-by-play of Tristan Jari scoring a, a goal. And uh, so what's life like in Wilkes-Barre when the Penguin season is on? And what, what are you doing? You're getting up every day. Do you have other duties to do? Yeah, so there's sort of um, two lives, if you will, whenever you're working in pro sports. There's when you're in season and then there's the off season. Um, in season, it's, you know, so I'll say the the development camp, the prospect showcase that usually signals the start of the year a little bit is in early September when Pittsburgh sends their prospects to a little tournament up in Buffalo. I'll go cover that. And the next thing you know, you're at training camp, preseason games, and then you're off to the races. So pretty much from the beginning to September to we'll say uh, May, if you, if you make the playoffs and, you know, get to get a round or two in there, that's when you're in season and it is 110 miles an hour every single day. In addition to my duties as the play-by-play broadcaster for the Wilkes-Barre Strain Penguins, I'm also our media relations director. So I'm handling PR media requests, taking care of our local beat writers, interviewing players after our, practices and things of that nature, perhaps coordinating the occasional interview where a Pittsburgh beat writer or reporter wants to talk to a high-end prospect and we get the phone interviews or I guess these days Zoom, Skype, WebEx interviews to to satisfy their needs, things like that. And then I'm also producing uh, game notes, information for every single one of our games that get left in the press box and handed out to myself and, of course, the, the other broadcaster for the visiting team that's at the game. I produce all the content for our uh, game program, Ice Time. You would know it in Pittsburgh. We do something similar in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton. Breakaway is our game program. Handed out for free to fans at every single game. I produce all the content for that as well, in addition to making stories for our website, recording our own podcast, the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins podcast, which folks can find on iTunes, SoundCloud, you know, just searching WBS Penguins. There's a lot of content that I create, like, the actual broadcasting of the games is maybe 20% of my job at max. Right. Now, it's the part that I definitely enjoy the most, but, you know, it's long days, uh, early days that turn into late nights, getting ready for that weekend slate of games, and then you might have a day off at most on the weekend before you have to get back at it again. And it's like that from September to May. And then the question I always get asked is, well, what about the off season when there's no games going on? Mm-hmm. There are still things for me to do, prepare sure. for the next season, update our media guide because I'm responsible for the upkeep and maintenance of that gigantic document and things like that and still creating content for our website. And so it, the, if you go to our website, the first thing you don't see is the last game recap from the last game that we're still churning out content regularly. But that being said, you definitely get to ease off the gas pedal a little bit. You, your weekends get a little bit longer, and you're not staying at the office nearly as late during the off season. So it's much more relaxed. There's enough to do to keep me engaged and definitely not bored. But it's, you know, like I said, the regular season is just go, go, go all the time. You know, you lose track of the, the days and, and weeks and dates. It's just like, okay, is it game day or a practice day? That's all you do whenever you wake up and go to sleep. Nicholas, did your experience of watching me play on Sunday mornings 
help you prepare oh, the phrases that you use right now? Is that am, am or I what like, not to am say? I like that book. <laughs> what not to say, Nicholas? Yeah, yeah, you you are the instruction manual as to what not to do. You you have taught me a lot about what to say whenever things go horribly wrong. Fortunately enough, I don't have to use those words that much, but I got them in my back pocket just in case. Thanks to you, John. <laughs> and you know, it, all kidding aside, but do you find yourself sometimes pulling like a I hate to say it's like a Mike Lang where you say something like cliche, or you go, oh my gosh, why did I just say that? How do you recover? Um, I think th- there's a little bit of both. I think sometimes when you, you say something that, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, catches on, you don't really realize that, that you said it. You're just sort of in, in the thrill of the moment or something like that. It's not until the next home game a fan will come up to me or something like that and say it back to me. And I go, oh, yeah, I guess I, I did say that or something like that. I'm never really trying to come up with the next great Langism or something like yeah. that. However, I am very aware and often my own worst critic whenever I think like, oh, I, I could have said that differently or, oh, I should have said that better or something along those lines. Um, they, you know, it goes into your head. You think about it, but then you just got to move on to the next thing because the game doesn't stop because the broadcaster wants a do over. You just yeah. got to say what's happening next and move on. So let's switch gears for a second for the hockey fish aficionados here. Is Tell us a little bit about, I mean, you know, the Penguins or an NHL team structure we see, you know, sometimes there's the older guy, they're trying to win, you know, for them, the cup, and he's the veteran that kind of keeps the locker room together. How how old are the people that are that are skating in professionally in Wilkes-Barre? How is the team structured, and how do they keep the talent coming through there? Right, so I'll even take that a, a step further back. For those that, that are sort of familiar with the American Hockey League, they've heard of it but don't really know what exactly it is it's the basically the the second best league in the world if you will and it's directly affiliated with the national hockey league every single team in the ahl is affiliated with an nhl team to be their number one developmental system it's triple a ball but it's hockey okay and pretty good hockey at that um but to sort of um aid along that that developmental route and things like that there are actually rules in place in the ahl when it comes to constructing your roster um, the amount of quote unquote veterans that you're allowed to have on the team, the, the vet rule as it is referred to in the AHL limits the number of veteran players that you can have on a roster. That way, um, some teams in the American hockey, I mean, these are all real, for the most part, small market teams. Some are owned, uh, in part by their NHL club. Other are completely independent ownerships. It keeps some of those independent ownership teams or more, uh, wealthier NHL clubs from just splurging all of their money into the most expensive minor league free agents and then and then preventing um these younger players that are supposed to be developing uh that would keep those guys off the ice off uh from getting big minutes and things like that so you're sort of limited to the amount of uh veteran players there's a games played and years played years old sort of columns that you need to meet to be considered a veteran or whatnot um it, it's six with an exception i think it is off the top of my head i'm a little bit rusty it's been a while since i had to talk about the <laughs> the vet rule um but that being said teams like to have those veterans on a team they're they're absolutely invaluable at this level because for the most part the american hockey league is really young uh most players start their journey at the american hockey league around 20 or 21 years old um and you are fresh out of either junior and college not only is it a complete different step up in terms of 
um, talent caliber that you're going to be playing with his teammates and, of course, his opponents. But it's a completely different way of life. In college, you're worried about every day. Okay, you have your practice or something like that, but then you have classes, you have your dining halls, you have meals that you can get, things of that nature, and, and then, you know, that's your day. Whereas when you're a pro, you show up to the rink, you have practice, now you're in charge of your own meals uh, to a certain extent. You go home, you don't have to go to class, you got a lot of free time on your hands now. How do you handle that? The, the veteran players can really help uh, move the younger players along as to what it means to be a pro um, and really put your focus into maximizing your potential as now a professional hockey player, not an amateur. You're not in college. You're not in junior anymore. It's completely different. So having those veteran guys around is is paramount, even though you're limited in the number of guys that you can actually keep around in that capacity. But for the most part, the rest of the league is young players, uh, 20 to maybe 26 or something like that. Um, I don't know what the actual average would be but it's certainly a more younger-leaning league than the National Hockey League. The difference isn't probably as vast as you would think, but it is, on average, younger than the NHL. You're so educated. I could seriously listen to you talk about anything. <laughs> I don't know about anything, but I can certainly talk about hockey all day. I love it. Well, I was going to say, and if it's not hockey, what are you talking about? What else is your passion? Because this is sort of a podcast where, like we told you, you know, you're listening to a song from our pirate pitcher, and he gets right. to be an athlete and you know be a performer. What's your other thing? Yeah, well, I couldn't be more jealous because, <laughs> uh, you know, um, I said I wanted to be an athlete and I wasn't good enough to do it. Um, I would love to be a rock star on stage every wow. single night, just going bananas. I am a karaoke hero. Oh, and I don't, go, I don't John. say that, to, I don't say that to hype myself up. I say <laughs> it because I go way too hard in the paint. Like there are some people that get fired up when I do karaoke and then other people that are just, rolling their eyes i think i'm david lee roth up there or something like that i i love music i love all you know all kinds of arts um obviously the the shutdown has allowed me the time to catch up on a bunch of different shows and um documentaries and movies and things like that some funny some sad some dramatic some just straight up weird um i just love music and i love art i know that sounds so generic and, and weird um not, at not all. weird but you know very very vague you know just sort of broad but are you I, I love consuming those kind of things what Kay, katie love was just on she's a mom tiktoker at this point are you tiktoking at this point nicholas that's a good question i am not tiktoking okay. i am a tiktok holdout right now actually <laughs> okay. for the most part i'm i'm actually not that big on social media i guess i'm a, i'm an outlier for for my age group 27 years old and the only real social media i use is twitter that's about it. Now I'm on I'm on Twitter probably more than I should be. More is more is healthy for my mental health, but <laughs> I don't do TikTok. I don't do Instagram. I have a Facebook, but I don't really use it. All of those other platforms, they just don't really appeal to me that much. Snapchat, like I, I talk to people and they're like, oh yeah, give me your Snapchat. I'm like, uh, I don't know what to tell you. I don't have one. <laughs> That's funny. This is so much fun actually to just talk to you in a professional. You know, I know you as a neighbor kid. I love talking to you in a professional capacity. And we have to we have to let you go at some point. We have a question of the day. But before we do, where can everyone follow you? I mean, I know you're not big on social media, but where can they follow what you do and anything with uh, Wilkesbury? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you can follow me, my personal account on Twitter, um, at underscore Nick Hart, N-I-C-K-H-A-R-T, real easy to find, at underscore Nick Hart. Um, not a lot of hockey to talk about right now, obviously, but if you want to follow the Penguins prospects and get updates on games and Penguins news, I'm always 
giving out updates and things like that whenever we're in season. You can also follow the Penguins Twitter account at WBS Penguins across all platforms, not just Twitter, but Instagram, all that jazz as well. Um, if any fans are interested in listening to our games, their broadcast, you can go to WBSPenguins.com and there's a little link that allow you to listen to games. We broadcast locally on WIOK news radio back up in northeast pennsylvania but you can go to their website too they're not geolocked or anything like that and also ahl live is a new streaming service that the ahl ushered in uh this was our second season with it and it's been a major improvement Uh, it's gotten great feedback from fans and whatnot now that is a, a paid subscription service but you can do it game by game or a whole season half a season what have you and I think it's worth it if you're a diehard Pittsburgh Penguins fan to actually get your eyes on these players, these prospects that you hear about so much and not just, uh, I don't know, leave it up to what you read on a blurb on the Internet one time and actually be able to see what these guys are doing uh, yourself. Because some of these players, they're legit, and some of them you might think, oh, that guy's a sure thing, and then he doesn't end up panning out. Well, what happened there? You know, I'm sure there were people a couple years ago, I'm going off on a tangent now that, you know, Everyone was all about Daniel Sprong. All yeah. they wanted to do mm-hmm. was see Daniel Sprong. And, you know, Daniel Sprong's still kicking around. He got traded Anaheim, now traded back to, to the Washington Capitals organization. He was playing in Hershey, their AHL affiliate, before the shutdown. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here in Wilkesbury. I'm like, yeah, Daniel Sprong's incredibly talented, but you guys got to see Teddy Bluger. Uh, Teddy Bluger is going to be in the National Hockey League for a long time. He might not have the upside of a Daniel Sprong. He might not have the potential to score 40 goals in a season in the NHL, but he's going to be an important player to winning teams in the National Hockey League, and I'm happy that that's still with the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. Yeah. Those kind of guys are, are always kicking around in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, and across the American Hockey League. So that's AHL TV. That's the streaming service. I said before, you can find me on Twitter, at underscore Nick Hart, and then listen to the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins podcast, too, whenever you're done with the Jagoff podcast. That was good. That was good. And then, and then when you go visit Nicholas, irritate him by saying, can you show us all the places in the office to show the office? Oh gosh. Right? Yeah. Right. My kids oh, would actually, love it. it. Yeah. It's, it's funny you mentioned that. So most of the show was actually filmed out in Los Angeles. Uh, right. Now a lot of, a lot of the landmarks that they talk yeah. about places like Cooper's pub or, Oh, you have to get this, I don't know, peanut butter sandwich from me at the gas station off the Carbondale exit. Those are all real places. They did their research in that regard. But every year there's a rookie who shows up at training camp. And once again, he doesn't know what to do with his free time coming out of college or junior now that he has so much free time. So after the day's practice, every year there's a guy who goes driving around Scranton trying to find the office park, comes back to the bank the next day. I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. And we have to tell him, hey, it was filmed in Los Angeles. You were that's you were funny. searching for ghosts. There was nothing to find there. Uh, that's, that's funny. funny. Yeah, that's that's sort of a letdown, but yeah. yeah, you're right. All right, so you have really made it whenever you get to hear the coveted Yajagoff question of the day. So are you the guy who's getting the freeze pop out of the freezer and cutting off the plastic end and just pushing it up? Or are you fancy schmancy and you need a better kind of popsicle or italian ice oh yeah okay it's a tough um i i guess there's there's a two-part answer to this 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 question here okay um today as i exist now i would be fancy schmancy for sure and get like an italian ice or i love sherbet i never liked ice cream never Hmm. never been a big ice cream person but i love sherbet italian ices things like that okay however now you got me thinking back to the, the old days in the driveway 
because those little push pops, uh, oh my goodness, just sniffing off the top. I would have so many of those. I would just crush them. I can't remember the last time I purchased them, but you may have actually inspired me <laughs> to go out and buy a pack Do it. and keep them in the freezer back in Wilkesbury because Oh, gee, I can't even tell you the last time I had one of those. Yeah. Well, listen, I can tell you there's about 11 green ones in the back of mine because that's the flavor my kids don't like. <laughs> they burn your throat. Seriously. Oh, I might have funny. to do like a, a tasting and figure out what flavor I like the best now as an adult. Tweet us. There you go. Tweet yeah, us. tweet us for tweet sure. Us research, your dad there will said, be a follow-up for sure. Right? Your dad said you're bored, so do it. All right, here we go. So you probably have a sign-off for your games. So go ahead and give us your sign-off as we go out to music. Thank you so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. I appreciate your tuning in. Your listenership is oh so valuable. Thank you for going along this journey with me. Until the next time, usually I say the next game that the Wilkes-Barre Grand Penguins are playing. We don't know when that is, but until then, ladies and gentlemen, have a great night, and let's go Pens. So that was it, the Ajago Podcast. I mean, doesn't get any better. I love that we're finding out from our listeners some of these really unique stories. So don't forget to give us your own, you know, suggestion on who we should have on the podcast. Yeah, thanks to Nicholas Hart again for making time. We dialed him up. He's like, let's go. I'm not doing hockey. Let's do your podcast. Stephen Brawl, a pitch to Broadway. It doesn't get any better than that, that you get to live out your best two dreams and we get to hear some great jams from him. And be on the podcast two weeks in a row. Mm -hmm. And thanks to Kathy from Sister Cities Association of Pittsburgh. It's totally cool. I never completely understood it. Yeah, and I feel smarter having talked to her. And then, of course, thanks to Katie Love. What a joy. I mean, her new mama stories are hysterical. And I love that she gave us a glimpse of what we should be doing from a marketing perspective. TikTok is in our future. We're going to do it. Uh, We'll be fine. TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. In the meantime, thank you to our sponsor, Roraconda. Roraconda is entering a new month with the new norm. With uncertain times, Rorik wants you to be certain that buying the right vehicle is always safe and affordable. We make the process easy with our online capabilities. Constant sanitizing routine and ability to deliver to you. All you need to do is decide what vehicle is right for you. Happy shopping, and as always, visit Rorick.com for all of your vehicle needs.